Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Diving Board Podcast. I am your host, Jill, and thank you so much for joining me for another very important pop culture deep dive. You are joining me on part four of the Lindsay Lohan series. I cannot believe we are already at part four. I cannot believe there's been four parts of this. We have talked about Lindsay Lohan every single day this week, and I am living for it. I really don't know what I'm going to do when this series ends because I have just devoted so much time to Lindsay's life, and I don't know what I'm going to do when I am am done. I don't know what I'm going to do when, when this final part launches, but I'll somehow I'll see my way through. Um, but I've had the best time researching Lindsay's life. And my friend Matt told me today that maybe Lindsay is going to ask me to ghostwrite her memoir. And Lindsay, if you are listening, I really feel like that is my calling in life. And I would absolutely love to do that. I would drop everything to do that for you. And I have plenty of writing samples. I think the episode descriptions themselves could be used as writing samples. Please just give me a call. I am ready and willing. But like I said, we are in part four. Thank you so much for sticking with me and Lindsay for this long. Uh, Last episode, we really got into it about her legal issues, her mounting legal issues. And it was a doozy. We learned date by date all of her court appearances and really just how many years she was in and out of the courtroom with legal trouble. And that is not easy to rebound from. But I have faith in our girl. I really do. And I will always have faith in our girl. So the year is 2013 and 2012. And Lindsay's entering in her first Valerie Cherish era, her comeback era. You know, this is this is the first comeback. And Lindsay, after a myriad of legal problems for years and years and years, she's decided it's time to get back on track. And it's time to just rebound. It's time to get back to Lindsay Lohan, queen of the silver screen. So like I mentioned at the end of last episode, Lindsay is facing some pretty surprising money problems because it's surprising because Lindsay has made so much money from films. You might remember from previous episodes, Lindsay was making seven and a half million dollars a picture. So that is a lot of money. And the fact that only a few mere years later, she was suffering from money issues. It's kind of like, where did where did all of the money go? So you know that she had issues with the IRS and that was rectified from hanging out with some wealthy men. And she kind of made means to an end with that. But she's also facing money issues from none other than our favorite place, the Chateau Marmont. The Chateau Marmont is asking Lindsay to vacate Suite 33. They're giving her a couple days notice because she is in over $46,000 worth of debt to the Chateau Marmont. Uh, They actually give her an itemized bill of her debt and are asking her, you need to pay this in the next few days or something's going to happen. If you don't pay this, you are essentially banned from ever coming back to the Chateau Marmont. So the itemized bill 
it leaks. And when you look at this itemized bill, you see that it's rather easy to rack up a $46,000 bill at the Chateau Marmont. It's not that difficult when you look at the itemizations. And when you break it down, you see Lindsay is spending $400 on room service. For some reason, she's renting a laptop from the Chateau Marmont, and it, they're charging her like $75 a day to rent this laptop. Why doesn't Lindsay Lohan have her own laptop I I don't know but for some reason she's renting it from the Chateau Marmont there's parking every single day of course there's the lodging fees there uh, she keeps getting um, cigarettes sent to her room and they're like $15 a pack which I don't know how much cigarettes are but in 2012 that seems like it was a lot of money and she keeps getting issues of Arc Digest sent to the room, which girl, you're living in a hotel. I don't know why you need to read Architectural Digest, but I digress. But there's a very, very big bill. Eventually, Lindsay works with the actual owner of the Chateau Marmont to settle the debts. But it's also just another kind of look into that she is kind of struggling with some kind of money issues because in Hollywood, $46,000 isn't a lot of money. To us, $46,000 is a is a nice sum. But in Hollywood, I mean, that's like nothing because these people are making millions of dollars. But Lindsay is having a hard time covering it. But luckily, she works with the owner and all is okay with Lindsay and the Chateau Marmont. So like I said, Lindsay is really trying to make her comeback back in the film industry. So she signs on for the movie called The Canyons. And The Canyons is a very low budget film and it was directed by Paul Schrader. Now Paul Schrader is kind of a legend in the industry. He wrote Taxi Driver, he wrote Raging Bull, American Gigolo. He's very, very well known. And like I said, this film has a very, very small budget. It pretty much has a micro budget. Um, most of the money and the budget for the film is essentially backed by investment from Paul Schrader and a few producers and also a Kickstarter campaign. I mean, they were literally selling like memorabilia from Taxi Driver to raise money for this movie. They were offering for $5,000 a chance to edit the script. It was just really a shoestring budget. So Lindsay signs on to play the lead. She plays the female lead and the male lead is going to be played by the actor James Dean. Now, this is not the James Dean that we all know and love, the rebel without a cause James Dean. This is James Dean, D-E-E-N. And if you're not familiar with James Dean's work, I definitely suggest Googling him and checking out his IMDb and watching his other movies because he's a really amazing actor. Actor. Um, I'm just kidding. James Dean, um, if you're not familiar with his work, he's an adult film star. And he was a really, really popular male adult film star back then. He was kind of known as like the guy next door because he looked like just a regular dude. And he was just really, really popular. He was just that regular cute guy who you see living in your apartment building. That was James Dean. And he was really, really popular in the adult industry, but he wanted to make a kind of parlay into more films and actually feature films and parlay into serious acting. So this was his first acting role. So that was kind of the buzz around this film is like, oh my God, James Dean is actually going to act in this. And it's really tumultuous from the start because Paul Schrader is afraid of hiring Lindsay, obviously because of her past. 
and there is a lot of money at stake and a lot of his money at stake. So he has his guard up immediately, but Lindsay reassures him, it's all going to be okay. Don't worry. And this is all chronicled in a New York Times article that is very, very interesting. And this article was like a core memory for me because I read it when it first came out in like 2014. And you know how you can read articles and then you just forget them? Like I remembered so much of this article that when I revisited it a couple of days ago to kind of refresh my memory, I was like, I still remember every bit of this article. It's just like one of those things that burns in your brain because it's such an insane story. But I think the headline of the article is like, here's what happens when you hire Lindsay Lohan for a movie. So of course you're going to read it because you know it's going to be a ride. But um, anyway, so Paul's really, really kind of trepidatious about hiring Lindsay, but he wants to do it anyway because he wants to make this movie and he wants to do it right. So he actually has an actress on standby in Paris waiting by the phone for essentially Lindsay to F up. He's saying, you know, don't worry if you don't want to do this. And if you're going to jerk us around, I have another actress waiting and willing to be in this role. So Lindsay's like, no, 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 don't worry. I'm not going to mess up at all. But Lindsay, she's already missing meetings. She's scheduled for table readings and she's saying oh um can't make it today but i promise i'll be there tomorrow tomorrow rolls around and she doesn't show up and of course she's already on such a tight leash because of her past so schrader's like bye you're fired you're done i'm not dealing with this because he knows once production starts Lindsay will have all of the power because they don't have the money to do reshoots after reshoots if Lindsay messes up. So he knows once production starts, Lindsay is locked in. So he fires her before production even starts. He's like, I'm not dealing with this. Lindsay has an absolute meltdown. She calls him over and over, screaming, crying, take me back, take me back. I'm so sorry. She goes to Paul's hotel and is banging on his hotel door saying like, please take me back. I'm so sorry. I won't do this again. I'll shape up. I'm so, so sorry. Crying, crying so loudly that the hotel security calls Paul Schrader and says, should we call the police? Like what's going on? And he says, no, 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 don't call the police. And I guess Lindsay wears him down because he's like, okay, I'll take you back. So again, Lindsay is back with the power. And again, she knows that she can act whatever she wants and people are going to give her another chance. So she finally signs on and production begins. So this kind of starts a months-long process of Lindsay's antics. She's immediately showing up late to production. She's showing up hungover. And this is mainly because now Lady Gaga has moved into the Chateau Marmont. And Lindsay is staying there sporadically because the Chateau Marmont really doesn't want Lindsay to stay there on a long-term basis anymore. But Lindsay is still welcome to stay every couple of days. So Gaga moved into the Chateau Marmont. So so imagine this is 2013, Lady Gaga and Lindsay Love. Lohan, they're both at the Chateau Marmont. They're partying to all hours of the night. She's partying till 5.30 a.m. And she has a 6 a.m. call time to be on the set. Of course, she shows up. She can't lift her head. She has sunglasses on. She's shielding herself from the sunlight. And eventually, her doctor comes on, examines her, and says she has um, an ear infection and can't work today. And Paul Schrader's like, I've directed films from a stretcher before, and you can't work today. But of 
courts. It's her personal doctor. They'll give her any diagnosis she asks for. So she's already running amok on the set of the canyons and she's pissing everyone off. She's refusing to do scenes. She's costing them a lot of money that they do not have. She's taking off in the middle of the day to go on lunches that are lasting two, three hours. She's expensing a $600 sushi lunch, which like I said, this the budget on this film is only $250,000. So $600 is like someone's pay for the day. She's just behaving so, so badly, but she knows she has the power and she flat out says to Paul Schrader, what are you going to do, Paul? Fire me? Because they can't. They don't have the money to fire her or they're going to have to scrap the entire production. So she knows she has all the power, but the whole crew is over it at this point. And this movie, it's interesting. It's intense. Um, James Dean is good in it. And it's crazy when you look like James Dean, the adult film star, was extremely professional on set. And Lindsay Lohan, the seasoned movie star, is acting like a spoiled brat. I mean, it's just insane when you, you kind of look at it. But like I said, the film is... Eh. And it definitely wasn't the film that was going to put Lindsay back on the map. But it's worth noting that Paul Schrader says after working with Lindsay, he's like, I don't think she's necessarily an alcoholic or I don't think she's necessarily addicted to a substance. He's like, I think she's just addicted to the chaos. I think she always needs someone around her. She always needs some kind of craziness going around her. And she can never just sit at home and just be quiet. She can never just be still. She needs some kind of drama and craziness to always be happening so that she can function properly. It's kind of like, I mean, when I think back to my 20s and sometimes here and there, like I had such severe FOMO that I needed to be out all the time. But Lindsay took that to the extreme, to the massive extreme where she just always needed some kind of chaos to function. And I think that really describes her behavior because she just thrived on that drama in her life. And it's also interesting because she makes a comment. She was actually, again, on the cover of Vanity Fair. And she said, if I were the alcoholic everyone says I am, then putting on a scram bracelet would have ended me up in detox in the emergency room because I would have had to come down from all the things that people say I'm taking. And my father says I'm taking. So that says something because I was fine. I think everyone has their own addictions and hopefully learns on how to get past them. I think my biggest focus for myself is learning how to continue get through the trauma that my father has caused in my life. And I think that's something to be said because I think Lindsay had such an insane childhood and maybe she just learned to thrive on that drama and that trauma. It's just, it's interesting when you when you really look at Lindsay and her upbringing. But Lindsay, she's trying to get sober. She's again trying to maintain her sobriety and she enters in treatment yet again in Malibu. And once this film is released, once The Canyons is released, she doesn't go to film festivals to promote the film because she said if she goes to Europe, it's going to be way too dangerous because it's too early on in her sobriety. So she cannot go and promote this film. And again, she is the main star in it. But it's funny because Paul Schrader essentially says at the press conference, he is finally free from the roller coaster that Lindsay Lohan has put him on for the last few months. But Paul, you signed up for it. You knew what you were getting into and 
It just sometimes you have to go with your gut. So the film wraps up and of course it essentially flops. It wasn't shown in many theaters and they don't make really much money off of it. And again, like I said, this really wasn't going to be the movie that was going to put Lindsay back on the map and get people respecting her again as a movie star. But if you're bored over this winter, definitely check it out. It is intense and it is very sexually graphic, but uh, it's an interesting watch. So while this film wraps up, Lindsay begins filming her series with Own, which you know Own is Oprah's channel. And Oprah wants to start a docu-series chronicling essentially Lindsay's comeback, what she's going to go through to stay clean, to turn her life around, to follow through with her recovery, but also recover her career. What is she going to do to get back into the limelight and really, really save her career and get it back on the right track? It was a really, really interesting idea. And this was Oprah's vision. Side note, this entire series is on YouTube. I want to give a shout out to the user. I think it's called Words of Flowers. She uploaded every single episode in one video, and I think it's like six hours long. It's the entire series, and I thank her so much for it. So shout out to Words of Flowers. Definitely check it out on YouTube if you're interested. Um, and Lindsay, she seems to be very moved by Oprah. They start the series with an interview and Oprah says, what do you want to get out of this? And she says, I just want to show people me. I just want to be myself and I want them to see my comeback and how hard I'm working to gain back everyone's trust and respect. But essentially, I just want them to get to know me. And it seems like it's going to be very, very raw. And I do think at the beginning Maybe Lindsay was taking this seriously because she was so enamored with Oprah and she was really flattered that Oprah was going to be giving her this chance and that Oprah believes in her. Now, I've never met Oprah, but this is a name drop, but I have met Stedman a couple of times because he's good friends with my boss and sometimes he'll come to my office. And I actually uh, was talking to Stedman a few weeks ago and we were just talking about graduating with my MBA and what's after this. And he was just giving me advice and such. And I mean, to get advice from Stedman Graham was amazing. And he's a really, really intelligent and powerful. And just when you're with him, you're like, wow, this man is so inspiring. And you just get this surge of motivation. And of course, that's the closest I've ever gotten to Oprah. But Sedman is Oprah's life partner, and they've been together forever. So he's one of the closest people ever to Oprah. So Oprah, I'm sure, is even a stronger presence than Sedman. So I feel like being in front of someone like that, yeah, it's going to motivate Lindsay to be on her best behavior. But it didn't last very long because the show is nuts. The show is insane. First, we have her assistant, Matt, who Matt means well, and he is way in over his head because Lindsay is obviously a very, very difficult person to work with. Could you imagine being Lindsay Lohan's assistant? It's just, it's a mess. And he's doing all of this 
being her assistant. And for some reason, he's running around all the time in like a three piece suit. And I don't really get why that's the case. But like, <laughs> maybe he just feels good in it and more power to him. But it chronicles her move to New York City. She says, it's not good for me to live in Los Angeles. I need to move back to New York. That's where I'm from. And I need to be closer to my family. So she moves back to New York City and for like a month and a half, she's living in a hotel because she can't find a place and she's already failing to produce this docuseries. She's not showing up for production. Production will get there in the morning and she'll just tell them, I'm not coming out of the room today. I'm not filming. Sorry, you have to go home. And they're like, what? Like we were scheduled to film today and she just refuses to do it. She's trying to move into this loft in Soho. And, you know, Soho is like one of the prime neighborhoods in New York City. Like if money was no object, I would live in Soho. It's an amazing neighborhood. But we learn that Lindsay, she can't afford it. She can't afford to move into this loft. So she has to ask uh, production from the production company that's producing this uh, docu-series, she needs to say, can I get an advance in what you're paying me for this series because I need to put it down for this apartment. So you kind of are seeing like she's really struggling with money. Like she needs a cash advance to move into this apartment. Like why don't you have any money? It's just it's kind of strange to be seeing it that way. And production at first are like, we don't want to pay you. We don't want to pay you without getting this shooting done because what if you cash the checks and then you're done with production and you never show up again? That's who you're dealing with. It's scary when you're dealing with someone who's not trustworthy. But eventually they do sign on and she moves into her apartment. It's extremely stressful. The move is absolutely insane. But you also see the amount of clothes that she has. She has so many designer clothes. And there's a scene where they go to this consignment shop because she's like, I'm going to make some extra money and I'm going to sell all of these designer clothes that I have that I've never even worn. And they say like, okay, yeah, you have enough money. We're, we're going to give you $5,000, which is a lot of money. If you've ever sold your clothes at like a Plato's closet, they give you like $3. So like $5,000, she had, must have had some really, really good stuff. But while she's in the store, she's like, you know what? I no longer want to sell my clothes. I'm going to trade because I, I need this jacket. I need these shoes. I need all of these designer things. And Dina Lohan's like, no, Lindsay, like you have to think like, like this is $5,000 cash you could have in your hand, but there's there's no reasoning with her. She trades her clothes. She comes back with more clothes than she was giving away. And it just kind of shows she's just, she's not good with money. But right now she's a few months out of her recovery. And we learn on the show, she admits that she's not really keeping up with her sobriety. She slipped a few times. She's been drinking wine. And I have to say, the people that she's interacting with, like they're not helping this. Because I have to think, like if I had a close friend who was early on in their recovery and they had just gotten out of treatment and they were really trying hard to maintain their sobriety, if we went out to dinner, I would not be ordering alcohol. I would not be drinking in front of them just as out of a courtesy and as out of a way to support them. I would not be ordering a glass of wine. There was a scene of them at dinner and her friends like, I have a vodka tonic, but there's very little tonic in there. It's very, very strong. It's like, why would you say that to someone who's not drinking? She just doesn't have friends who have her best interests at heart. It's it's so obvious. And 
Again, she's trying to maintain that she's sober up until the very end when she comes out and says she's not. But there's some like weird scenes in the show. There's a scene where her friends come over and she always has these like random hangers on that they're usually French or they're from a different country. They don't speak a ton of English and they're always like very, very young. They look like models, but they look like they're like 18, 19, 20. And Lindsay's in her late 20s at this point. She's 26, 27. And they're behaving really stupidly. There's a scene at what they're at night and they like pierce her friend's ear with a knife. And it's just the whole show is weird. And it's like, girl, if you are expecting us to be to believe that you're sober during all of this while someone's putting a knife in their ear. Like if you're sober, I have to question your sanity because this is just all, it's a strange show. And um, her sober companion is there for a few episodes and he seems like the nicest guy, but just that he has been through so much. He so wears for wear. He reminds me of Mike White um, in School of Rock when he plays Ned Schneebly, like that his soul has just been ripped out of his body and like driven all over. Like he's just been walked all over and he's tired. You can see he's just been put through the ringer with Lindsay. And she's really not keeping a schedule and it's frustrating because she's getting so many chances. And this is Oprah is giving you a chance. Oprah believes in you and she's still not producing. And she's also just so painfully self unaware and her head in the clouds because there's a scene where El Indonesia comes to do a feature story on her. And the editor of El Indonesia flies in from Indonesia, so a very, very long way to New York City to do a photo shoot with her. And it's supposed to be on a Friday and she's supposed to show up at noon. At 12.30, everyone is there. Hair and makeup's there. The photographer's there. Everyone's there. They're ready. Uh, She says, I'll be there at one. Three o'clock rolls around and she says, I'm not coming today. And they're like, wait, what? She's like, let's do it tomorrow. And the editor of El Indonesia is like, I can't do it tomorrow. Like, I have something to do. Like, I could do it Sunday maybe, but I can't do it. And she just expects these people to just go around her schedule. And these people have traveled so far. It's been months in advance. She agreed to all of this. And she's just not delivering. And when you are late like that, I just, it just shows you have no concept of anyone else's time and you really just think you're the most important person in the world and everyone should adjust to you. It's such unacceptable behavior and watching that makes me so angry and they they're speaking to each other um in their native language and she's saying to her friends and this girl's trying to make a comeback and it's true like you're trying to come back and you're screwing up all of these opportunities. But if- so eventually Sunday rolls around and Lindsay does show up for the photo shoot, but all of the clothes that they had flown in from Indonesian designers, the designers wanted them back because those clothes were lent for a few days and the diner- designer said, I want my clothes back. So they had to send those clothes back to the Indonesian designers. They barely had any clothes on set. So Lindsay's like, I'll lend, I'll lend my clothes and I'll style myself for the shoot. And she looks amazing. She has a ton of clothes. We've established she has great style. And then there's a soundbite of Lindsay saying, you know, I had to style the shoot. And if there were times in magazines that I should have gotten credit as a co-stylist, I mean, it could fill an entire novel. 
which girl, the reason why you had to be a co-stylist is there weren't any clothes left because the clothes were lent for Friday and it's Sunday because you didn't show up. So it's like, it's just things. She's so self-unaware and just this doesn't register in her mind. And that's why it's so frustrating. So Oprah eventually starts to get really pissed off with her and she lays down the law and she says, hey, if you're not ready for this, I will stop production right now. And I think Oprah had really good intentions and she really wanted Lindsay to succeed. But Lindsay said she was ready, but I just don't think she was. She was just way too early in her recovery and she just was really, really immature. And I think really Lindsay could have made something out of this if she respected the craft and she respected the idea of a docu-series and said like, hey, this is my comeback. This is me pounding the pavement. This is me starting from the bottom, ready to rebuild my career. And I really think America would have fallen in love with her again and said, okay, this girl has learned from her mistakes and she's coming in with her tail between her legs and she's ready to start over. But because it was so dramatic, instead of a docu-series, it kind of turned into a reality show because it had so much drama. And I think that upset Lindsay. The thing is, she said, she was like, you know, the production team, they only want to see the drama. But you can't edit what isn't there. You can't edit all of this drama if it didn't actually happen. I mean, back then, like on The Girls Next Door or The Hills, they would do those like Franken bites where they would literally piece together different words from different sound bites to piece together a sentence that never even happened. Like, yes, that is totally made up. But Lindsay being late time and time again to a photo shoot, you can't Franken-bite that. <laughs> like, that actually happened. So again, this doesn't motivate people to want to work with her. But, you know, you see throughout the series her taking up different projects in a show. There was one that, like, she was on some karaoke app where you could upload yourself singing karaoke, which kind of reminded me of that one couple on 90 Day Fiance where the girl met the guy in Ireland because they were both singing on a karaoke app. <laughs> That's literally what it reminded me of. And she also talks to Randall Emmett, the human thumb himself, Rand, Lala Kent's baby daddy. I thought that was so funny that he makes an appearance about producing a movie, but that doesn't come to fruition. And she's just she's just flailing. She doesn't have a good team behind her. And it just kind of seems like she's treading water. But, you know, there's some huge bombshells on this show that I won't give away if you're looking to watch it. So I definitely suggest checking it out. It is definitely a ride, but you could watch the whole show in one day. Um, but the ratings for it, it sucked. The ratings for each episode just dwindled with each passing episode and the finale actually had the lowest ratings ever. Even with these massive bombshells that she was dropping, people just weren't watching it. They were over it. They were dealing with, gosh, almost 10 years of just this messiness with Lindsay. And the narrative was just getting tired. And they actually interviewed some people on the last episode and said, what do you think of the show? And they're like, we kind of feel bad for her. We just... She just seems to be dealing with so much. See, she seems to be flailing. She seems to not really have changed. And one girl, I mean, this girl was me because one girl was like, honestly, I only watch it to see what she's going to wear, which that is so me. Like, I love to see what Lindsay Lohan's going to wear. I love it. So I definitely resonated with that girl. But um, anyway, needless to say, 
this show does not help Lindsay. And Lindsay has a bad taste in her mouth about this show because even up until a couple of years ago, she was saying like, oh, um, a lot of people made stuff up on the show and people were being fed lines. And all I have to say is I have a PhD in reality television. And when I watch this, I can't see anybody being fed lines and I can't see anybody being fake besides Lindsay. This all happened. She behaved badly and it was on camera. That was it. That is all that happened. I know my reality television and that is what happened. Lindsay wants to backtrack because a lot of her behavior was caught on film. So anyway, 2014 rolls around and Lindsay skips town. She crosses the pond and she moves to London. She decides to take a gig on the stage in the West End. And she's in a play called Speed the Plow. And she gets okay reviews. Some say she's totally out of her league. Some say, you know, she's fun on stage. She has a fun kind of husky voice and she looks great and, and they, they liked seeing her. So definitely some mixed reviews, but it seemed like she produced, she showed up on time and the people she worked with really did seem to like her. And like I said in previous episodes, I really think she would do well on Broadway in New York. I still think she could be Roxy Hart, but you know, Broadway is one of the toughest things that you can do because you have to rehearse all the time and there's multiple shows a day. But if she could really buckle down, I really think it would be great for her career and people would come out to see her. I would fly out to New York to see her in Chicago in a damn heartbeat. I would. So I really, I'm putting it on the universe. I really hope it does happen one day. Anyway, after Speed the Plow, we jump to 2016. And Lindsay is 30 at this point. I mean, she's really a full-fledged adult, but unfortunately, she's uh, not really acting like it. She starts dating what people in the media are calling a Russian heir. They're calling him a billionaire mogul and an entrepreneur, but his dad says he's a trust fund kid, but he's not a billionaire mogul because he's afraid that the kid's going to get kidnapped because they're making it seem like this kid has so much money. Yes, the kid is wealthy. He's a trust fund kid, but having a trust fund and being a billionaire heir are two very different things, but he's a wealthy Russian guy named Igor Tarabasov, and I don't know. Their relationship is extremely toxic from the start. It's worth noting he's 23 and Lindsay is 30. Like I said, she's always hanging out with these younger guys, which I guess good for her. That might be fun. But in a serious relationship, I don't know why you would be a 30 year old woman wanting to date a 23 year old boy. That doesn't make sense to me. But whatever. It's Lindsay Lohan. And they're super toxic. It's very kind of abusive to each other. And it's just super tumultuous. And there's a scene this was a very, very well publicized scene. I remember when this happened. And they're on a beach in Mykonos. And they're in the Jeep and they're fighting. And you see Igor throw his phone because apparently Lindsay is trying to get his phone away from him. And just like we saw in the Samantha Ronson relationship, Lindsay seems to be incredibly insecure. She's always thinking people are cheating on her. So she's, uh, he throws his phone. She gets out of the car to get it. She runs after it. She grabs it. He grabs her from behind and he yanks the phone out of her hand. But the pictures, when you see it in video, 
It's not that intense, but the pictures made it seem like it was like a very, very big fight. But it really wasn't that bad. He just basically grabs the phone out and it's a big whole fight. And there's also a fight a couple weeks later on the balcony of his apartment and they're screaming at each other. And the cops are actually called because Lindsay keeps screaming, he's strangling me. So the cops actually physically break down the front door to get into the home. But then once they're in, Lindsay says, oh, well, that wasn't really the case. And she decides not to press any charges. So like I said, it was just very, very toxic. But they officially get engaged. Like they were actually engaged to each other. And but not for long because it's officially broken off. And his parents tell Igor like, okay, you've had your fun with this movie star. It's it's time to break this off. And it's kind of funny. They give a um, statement to page six that they're not expecting to get the $300,000 diamond ring back that Igor gave her. And this is a quote and it says, <laughs> that's her severance package. When she runs out of money, she can sell it on 47th Street for $60,000. So <laughs> that is such a read. But I mean, hey, that pretty much sums up that relationship. So needless to say, they break up and Lindsay is gallivanting all over Europe. And at the end of 2016, she starts doing some interviews and she does some red carpet interviews. And immediately people notice that there's something different about Lindsay. She's speaking in a different accent. And it's a very strange accent. It's very similar to when Madonna moved to London when she got married to Guy Ritchie and randomly started speaking in a British accent, even though she's from Detroit. Michigan. Uh, Lindsay starts speaking in an accent what made it seem like she doesn't speak English very well. And I'll try to imitate it. And I want to say I am not imitating or appropriating anyone's accent. I am imitating the way Lindsay is speaking. So I just want to get that out there. But Lindsay's basically saying, talking like, you know, I left my apartment and I walked down the street to Starbucks to pick up my mobile order. And after I get my chai latte, I go to Whole Foods and get some groceries for the next couple of days. And then uh, I, I go home. Like, that's how she's talking. It's talking like she's doesn't really know English very well, and she has this accent. And I want to say she is a native English speaker from Long Island, New York. And that is how she's speaking. And she's attributing her change in accent to the fact that she's studying many different languages. She says she's studying Arabic. She says she's studying Italian. And I don't know. I studied Spanish in high school, and... I pretty much have the accent of a girl from Illinois. So I I don't really know what's going on here, Lindsay. But anyway, so uh, the accent, it uh, kind of ebbs and flows because we see her on Snapchat doing vlogs where she sounds like herself and then she'll do interviews where she has the accent again. So anyway, we reach 2017 and officially this kicks off the Me Too movement. And that is just making waves throughout the entire country. And a lot of people are coming out against the number one bridge troll, 
Harvey Weinstein. And everyone is coming out with allegations and talking about their extremely terrifying stories about their interactions with this man. Uh, But someone comes to his defense, and that is none other than Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan takes to Instagram and she releases a video from her home in Dubai on her Instagram story defending Harvey, saying that she's done several movies with Harvey Weinstein and he has never harmed her. Nothing has ever happened. He has never done anything like what is being described. So essentially she's saying because it never happened to her, it could have never happened to any other woman. So not to believe any of these allegations and that she encourages Georgina Chapman, his wife at the time, to stand up publicly for Harvey and to show her support for him. So, um, yeah, that is uh, pretty insane to think about. But of course, this gets immediately deleted, but we know anything posted on the internet lives there forever. So young people who are listening to this, remember anything you post on the internet will be there forever. So anyway, uh, this gets deleted and she comes out with a statement which was clearly written by a crisis management team. uh, And she says, I am saddened to hear about the allegations against my former colleague, Harvey Weinstein. As someone who has lived their life in the public eye, I feel that allegations should always be made to the authorities and not played out in the media. I encourage all women who believe Harvey harmed them to report their experiences to the relevant authorities. So essentially saying that you should only go to the police and not share your stories and encourage other women to speak out and encourage other women to have a voice. So uh, I I have no words. I just, it's insane. And uh, Rose McGowan, she actually comes out with a pretty funny quote, which is half read, but I also think half explanation. And she says, basically along the lines of, cut Lindsay some slack. Uh, She was a child star turned sex symbol, and that definitely warps your mind. So I agree with Rose that Lindsay definitely has a warped sense of thought, but um, she hasn't come out and said anything since then. So hopefully Lindsay has kind of changed her thought on all of this. God, I hope so. Uh, But Lindsay, she stakes more of a claim in Greece, and she starts to go in to the club business. She opens up her first nightclub, which of course is called Lohan, and this is in Athens, Greece. And as far as I can tell, it's still open. Like I was looking at their Instagram, and it was funny because every Sunday is, quote, Chicago night, and they go crazy for this Chicago night. And I thought, was it Chicago the musical? But it's not. It's just like people dancing. I don't know if they just play a lot of house music because, you know, Chicago created house music. If there's anything you need to learn on the Diving Board podcast, it's that. But maybe it's that. I don't know. From what I can tell, I don't know what makes this night a Chicago theme, but they're really, really into it. But now I want to go and experience it because my Chicago night is sitting in my 600 square foot apartment and recording this podcast. So maybe that's the theme of the night. I don't know, but I really want to go maybe this summer because I I just want to see it. I'm, I'm very curious. But as far as I know, that club is still open. And Lindsay also opens up Lohan Beach House in Mykonos. And this is where we get the iconic dance 
since Labor Day weekend of 2018. This is how we party in Mykonos, baby, where she's on the stage. She's doing the hair flip. She's doing the, the shimmy side by side. And it took the world by storm everywhere you went. This video was all over the internet. I mean, Lindsay is hilarious and she's just, she really is a walking meme. I gotta give it to the girl. So this, this dance took the world by storm. They were teaching dance classes about this. She was doing it on Watch What Happens Live. Andy Cohen was doing it. So it, it really was very, very viral. But in 2018, um, right after actually a couple of weeks after the dance went viral like we were still living on the viral dance at this point she goes live on instagram with an extremely strange interaction and it's not incredibly clear what country she's in but she approaches a syrian refugee family who's experiencing homelessness. They're on the street, they're covered up with blankets, it's parents and two young boys, these are their children, and they're just trying to get through the night. And Lindsay approaches them, and she's kind of in their face, she's like, "What? what's your story? Why are you in this situation? What happened? What happened? And could you imagine approaching an unhoused person and saying, why are you in this situation? Like, it was just, very bombastic and strange and she's talking to the two small children and she's speaking what I would think is Arabic but then there are people who have translated this who actually do speak Arabic and they're like she's not speaking Arabic like she's literally speaking gibberish and she's clearly extremely intoxicated and she keeps trying to separate the kids from their family she keeps telling the kid like do you want to watch movies tonight do you want to stay in a hotel tonight and we'll watch movies on my computer like do you want to come it's very like do you want to come pet my puppy just come I have candy in my white van like it's very very strange very stranger danger and the kids I mean she's a woman who's coming up and she's smiley and they don't understand what they what she's saying so they're all kind of smiling with her and nodding and just like okay what are you doing and it just gets extremely strange as it goes on as it goes on it becomes kind of like equal parts of disturbing but also kind of hilarious because because she tells the woman, okay, you can come and your two sons can come, but you have to leave your husband. We're going to go to hotel. And she goes, I'll give you three seconds. Run. <laughs> and like, like, she starts laughing too because it's just crazy. And after a few minutes of being berated and spewing gibberish, she thinks because she's using an accent that these kids are going to understand her. Like she's speaking English to them, but she's using that weird accent. Like she keeps saying, come with me. And like, girl, they don't understand you. Like they don't understand what you're saying. Just because you're trying to imitate their accent doesn't mean they understand what you're saying. So it was just very strange. But the family decides to get up and relocate. And of course, Lindsay follows them and she's still filming them. And she keeps trying to take the kids away. She keeps saying, like, come with me, come with me. I'm going to take you tonight. It's very strange. Like if it wasn't Lindsay Lohan, it would be extremely scary because you would think she's trying to kidnap these kids and maybe she is and um she keeps screaming that they're ruining arabic culture and she also screams don't f with pakistan 
which I don't know what that meant, but I, I don't know what's going on. But she finally, they reach kind of a different area and she tries to grab one of the kids. And finally the mom, she's like mama bear mode. And she turns around and she's like, no, 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 enough of this. Like we're done. And she turns around and she swings and punches Lindsay essentially in the face. And you see Lindsay fall or you see the phone fall and you just hear Lindsay cry out in pain like, ah, ah, and she's crying. And keep in mind, I'm watching this live. I actually watched this live because I saw like, oh, Lindsay Lohan's going live. I'll watch it. And I'm watching it in real time. And my mouth, my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> like I was like, what the hell just happened? So she's crying. Magically, the accent disappears. She sounds like the Lindsay we all know and love. And immediately she's the victim. She says how scared she is. She can't believe that just happened. And she just wants to change the world. But unfortunately, the world will not change with her. And she's the victim all of a sudden. But keep in mind, you approached them, Lindsay. You followed them. You berated them for 15 minutes and you tried to remove their children. I... The family scatters, they go on with their nights, and I hope wherever this family is, they are doing better, and Lindsay is leaving them alone. I just, I wish them all the best, because that was intense. But if anyone can rebound from that, (laughs) can you imagine literally any celebrity doing that? Could you imagine, like, Jennifer Lawrence doing that, or, like, Emma Stone doing that, like, and then just the next day it's forgotten about. Like, unfortunately, that's just like the behavior we expect from Lindsay Lohan. And she rebounded because in a couple of months, a couple of months later, the Lohan Beach Club reality show premieres in early 2019 on MTV. And this show was okay. It kind of got bad remarks because Lindsay is not in it very much. And when it's called Lohan Beach Club, you're watching it for Lindsay. It's kind of like Vanderpump Rules, like the first season. You watched it because you knew Lisa Vanderpump. And then when you got to know more of the characters, you're like, okay, I I don't need Lisa in it as much because I I got to know the cast. But Lindsay was like just barely, barely in it. So it's like, why are we watching this? And some parts were funny. I had watched a couple of episodes and I remember when it first came out, I was watching it. I was at O'Hare Airport at like six o'clock in the morning. I don't know where I was going, but I was, I can't remember, but I was watching the first episode of Lohan Beach Club and I was like sitting at the McDonald's by myself and giggling so hard. I'm surprised they didn't put me on the no-fly list because I probably looked like a psycho. But I'm giggling, you know, to myself. And because there's one scene in the first episode where they're all partying in the house that Lindsay puts them up. And for some reason, at like 2 o'clock in the morning, Lindsay strolls up at the house with her assistant because she's like, I want to keep them on their toes. They're all drunk. They're all naked in the pool. They're all, you know being crazy. And she's like, everyone out of the pool, (laughs) everyone out of the pool. And they're sitting down and they're talking about the behavior and her assistant's like, you know, you guys are just not very hospitable for someone who's supposed to be the host of a beach club. Like for instance, we've been here for 15 minutes and you haven't even offered us a drink. You haven't even offered us a cocktail. And the girl's like, we would, but we drank all the alcohol. Oh, it's still funny. And like, 
it got it got lukewarm reviews and it was not renewed for a second season. But in 2019, after the season wrapped, Lohan Beach Club, it shuttered its doors. So here we are in 2019 and Lohan Beach Club, it closed down and it essentially looks deserted. And um, I have a friend who is Greek and his family lives in Greece and he has been to Greece many, many, many times. And I had asked him and I asked him if it was okay if I told this story. He just said not to use his name. And he had been to Lohan Beach Club and Lohan, the club, and met Lindsay several, several times. He said Lindsay was very nice. He said she was clearly on something because she was crazy dancing and she kept doing the heart hands, which that sounds about right. But he said she was she was nice enough. Um, but he said Lohan Beach Club. I was like, give me an honest review of Lohan Beach Club. He said it's extremely overpriced for what it was. He said it was like $250 to rent a chair at Lohan Beach Club. He said it's very, very far from Mykonos town. It's like very off the beaten path. It's not in like the central area. And he said that it's mainly just American tourists who think they're going to a high end place, but it's actually just a gimmick and totally overpriced. So that is the first hand account of the Lohan Beach Club. But I mean, again, I still want to go. Of course, I would love to go. But um, I don't know if we'll get our day because will Lohan Beach Club reopen? Stay tuned to find out in our final wrap up episode where Lindsay tries to make her most current comeback. So we'll talk about her most current comeback in the last two years, her projects on the horizon, and what I think is going to happen. But for now, I'm going to leave you in Mykonos. You're going to feel the Mykonos salty air on you with the Mamma Mia soundtrack playing softly in the background. And we're going to see what's next for our girl, Lindsay. So I just want to thank you so much for um, listening to this episode, for sticking with me so far in the Lindsay Lohan series. This was another doozy. There, I forgot all the insane things that have happened with Lindsay in the last few years. I mean, and it's just interesting to recount things that happened like three years ago. I'm not used to doing that. I'm used to recounting things that happened like 20 years ago. So that was a different change of pace, but I liked it because it's about Lindsay and I like talking about Lindsay, but I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate if you rated me five stars on Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're listening on Apple, I would so appreciate if you wrote me a review that just motivates more people to listen to the podcast. Also, if you're not following the podcast yet, please do. I'm planning to release bonus episodes in the coming weeks, which I won't be promoting on Instagram. So you will only know about them if you are following me either on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you follow, you'll know about the content right away. And if you want to join our family on Instagram, you can find us over on Diving Board Pod, and that is B-O-R-E-D. I've had a lot of fun this week with the Lindsay Post. She's just the gift that keeps on giving. I keep saying that, but she just, she gives us so much and I have had so much fun. I'm kind of nervous for it to end, but we're on the tail end. We've We've come a long way, baby. So let's let's finish it out strong. But I will be back tomorrow with the final installment of the Lindsay Lohan series. And I'm so excited 
to talk to you all again. But until then, take care, everyone.